Welcome to the Woke Blokes Podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. I um, I don't know why that song just made me think of that. Maybe you're dancing. You did actually, but I started this. Um, I'm reading a book called Transforming Trauma uh, at the minute, which is a uh, really a good light, guy. Light reading at nighttime. This is light reading for me. But <laughs> <laughs> this guy, he's been um in that field, you know, researching and practicing and working with people with trauma for 50 years, and uh, runs a place called. Uh, the Center for Mind Body Medicine, right? And um, yeah, he's just been going through different ways of regulating the nervous system and um, bringing that down. And one of them was with uh, these active meditations, and one of them's shaking and dancing. Mm-hmm. So it's like uh, I created my own little playlist because what you do, so it's like you're standing up, um, preferably alone because you don't want anyone watching you because it looks weird. And um, so it's two minutes of just really relaxing music and just. Just belly breathing, just bringing things down. And then after that, it's six minutes of shaking or like convulsing pretty much. Mm-hmm. So it's like you use, so the music I'm using is like Kundalini awakening, like electronic, like, you know, heavy, or you could use like uh, shamanic drumming and that kind of thing. But it's like pretty intense. And so you're literally standing shot with the button, like shaking, like, like starting at your bottom and moving up to the top. And six minutes is a long time to yeah. shake. You know, and um, like I'm pretty sweaty by the end of it, and you just—it's really cool. Just you feel all the energy moving in your body, and after six minutes of that, the music comes back to two minutes of that just soft breathing music again, and you can feel your body. Your body's like just tingling. There's sometimes emotions will come up, like you've just sort of shaken things up a bit. It's really cool. That's what happens when you move your body in different ways. I think it's really important because we get stuck in the same patterns. We've yeah, started yeah, recording yeah. and started the show, by the way, so I'm just, we're starting off with this. <laughs> and um, and then after Hi this, everyone. another... another Hi hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Woke Blokes podcast. And then after the uh, the second breathing bit, then you just put on some music that's inspiring to you for six to seven minutes. So I've got I've just got Numa by Tool, like the last yeah. seven minutes of it at the minute. So because the first part, the shaking, you don't want any... Um, vocals or anything just the music but the second one just something inspiring and then you just let your body move to the music just whatever however it wants to take you because now you've kind of moved shaking things up and and you can just move in patterns that you wouldn't normally move in and um it's awesome and then sometimes emotions that have been brought up will come up more in that anyway you do that for another seven minutes so it's all my playlist is like 17 minutes long and then you just sit down for a couple of minutes afterwards and just take in what's happened but i've i've been really enjoying it I, bet I do lots do. of active meditation um, in my meditation classes, so I was changing it. Sometimes we'll do sitting in stillness. Sometimes um, you're not allowed to move. Sometimes it'll be uh, sitting with eyes open. I, I love the slow walk race, so it's walking from one side of the room to the other, and the last person over there wins. And, and that you know, it's 20, 25 meters. That can take 45 minutes to do. Um, but juggling is a great one because it's it, uh, people come in and their egos pop up to the surface so it's really good to work in situation with people where their unhelpful thinking styles are just so on display and so the, they'll start beating themselves up because they can't they've never tried juggling but they'll have an expectation that they should be a good juggler so mm. 
right away we can work with all right let's just get rid of that expectation there let's just remove that let's just go back to being lighthearted and fun and realize how mediocre we all are and um but it's also because i play the role of the universe and they're, they're all on a mat an individual mats and they're not allowed off their mats so i'm walking around and i'll start pushing them i'll start knocking balls out of their hand <laughs> I'll, I'll just create <laughs> a lot of um stimulus for them and it's really interesting because they get to see in the moment how the how reactive they are and so they'll be like oh why'd you do that because life happens what yeah what do you mean why i'm god i'm god motherfucker i am the you what i do you you do not question me i do not revolve around you and your wants and your needs uh so it's 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 really good to do that in person in situation it's like when I used to take clients out on the golf course, you'd see them get so agitated, so wound up. And because you can't wear a mask out there, so it's all revealed. And so instantly I could pull them to the side and say, right, what are you feeling? Where's that coming from? What's the unrealistic expectation that you have? What is your attachment? And they're like, oh, fuck, this is so hard. <laughs> that's what they say. That's why so many uh, business deals are done on golf courses. They say, if you want to get to know someone, play golf with them or get them drunk. And then you're, you're all, all of these, te- like someone could hold it together pretty well, but when yeah. they're playing golf or drunk, um, they tend to not be able to hold those demons at bay. It's because you learn so much about them, mate. Because you, you you as I said, there's no mask. You, all is revealed. Their true nature, their true character is revealed. That's, that's true. It's true. Thing. It is. I um, your the walking meditation. I remember doing that when you were doing the class for Daz in oh, South yeah. Melbourne, and um, yeah, that that walking one is is so interesting because you you're it's it's there's like two parts of you that are interacting with each other and arguing because you can see the other side of the room. You see your cushion where you're going, and it's not very far away, but you know you're going to end up there. Yeah. So it's like that's your goal. So in normally in life, like we have this goal or whatever it is, even if it's just like brushing our teeth in the morning or big goals, but it's like, what's the my straight line, the fastest way there? So part of you just wants to get to that cushion because that's where you're going anyway. Yeah. But then the other part is, hang on, but if I go, the person who gets there last is the person that wins. So one part wants me to get there. The other part wants me to just go as slow as possible to get there. And they seem to be con- fighting with each other. Which oh, I suppose yeah, is the it purpose a, of it. A beautiful internal conflict. And so we get to sit back and observe that conflict instead of being in it, instead of being involved in it. We can sit back as the viewer and just watch those parts of us in play and we can go, oh, wow, how, how irrational are they being? Like you, can, you can hear the attachment, you can hear the expectation, you can hear the demand or the rigidity of their thinking. And with that awareness, you can then do something with it. But you can't do anything unless you're aware of it. No, and I think once you become aware of that with a meditation like that, you start to become aware of it in in all areas of your life. There's always like this compulsion to get to the next thing. And whether it's you're thinking it or just a feeling, it's like, I just, I need to get there because once I'm there, then I'll go to the next thing. And just you're being uh, constantly pulled. Michael Singer talks about that in... The untethered soul he's like all right and so we we were hungry so we go and get some food but then we're thirsty so then we we go and drink and then and then we have to have a phone call and then we then we need to go to bed so we're just we're always needy we need 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 mm. need need and we're always chasing a way to satisfy our needs uh yeah. and yeah so the 
so active meditations and you know obviously my business is called MindFit so the whole aim behind is to try and get ment- people mentally fitter so when they come to what they think is a meditation class and they walk in for the first time there's juggling balls or I'm saying right walk from that side to, to that side they're like this isn't meditation they're like well it is meditation yeah, it simply is observing <laughs> um and, but you can he- hear the expectation that they're walking in with. I have an idea of what meditation is. This isn't my idea of what meditation is. So instantly there's conflict. Yeah. Instead of just going, walking in very open and clean into a situation, going, I wonder what's going to happen today with no expectations. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and that compulsion to get to the next thing, it's like chasing a rainbow. Like We never get there. So it's even like, and I did this the majority of my bloody life and I still do it from time to time. It's like, it's always the next thing and then there'll be maybe something on the horizon that you're like, oh, I really can't wait to do that. Whatever, it's something exciting that you're looking forward to. But then even with those things, you get there and then even after a few minutes, a few seconds, there's that compulsion to, oh, what am I doing after this? And so you're never there and then you can look back at all these things that you've done in your life and you're like, I wasn't even really there. Because I was always just still thinking about that next thing. But if you if you go to the other end of the spectrum and you do nothing, that's equally as unhealthy. So it's all about finding that balance between, you know, trying to manifest and create because um, you don't just want to bob along and do nothing. So it's, it's, it's a really, it's a bit of a balance. Maybe, effect. what if you do though? What if you do what? What if you just you are happy doing nothing? Well, you can, but it's um, it's an interesting, one. and that's what probably Buddhist monks are doing is they're just going along, just observing. They're just they're just in the moment. They're just observing. I, I guess I'm talking about for the majority of the population in the Western world yeah. where we are interacting in you know yeah. this kind of society. Um, yeah. Yeah, ideally in utopia, we'd all just sit there and just observe each other, observing each other, observing each other, observing. <laughs> but uh, that's that's not where society is, is. No, it leads us into a quote of mine that I'd like to share yes. with you, which is today's topic, listeners. Dun dun dun. So it's a great one from Seneca. But hang on, what's what's what, what's what's the topic? What's we're, we're gonna we're gonna go through? We've just got a bit of a list of our favourite quotes. I don't know what Nick's got. Nick doesn't know what I've got, and we're just gonna go back and forth one at a time with our quotes and maybe have a bit of a chat about them and how what they mean to us yeah. and how we maybe try and apply them in our life. Yeah, exactly. So it's for the listeners to try and see any that resonate and then go write yep. that down. Okay, this is something I can meditate on this is something i can keep looking back to and and because people are into quotes a lot now aren't they like these all over instagram and everything like you're seeing quotes and that and then they make and they make people you'll read someone will resonate and you'll be like oh yeah that sounds good oh that's a good idea yeah i like that but no i think it's important to talk about you know if one does resonate how do we apply that well that's that's we don't start applying it that's another quote that i have oh 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 is it a ryan hassan one (laughs) No, it's a Bruce Lee one. That's why my Mike, I haven't got attribute uh, attributations to all of my quotes. Me I do neither. for some because because so, some of them, I, when I like have researched some of this stuff, yeah, and you fake. go, oh, it's a quote that it's attributed to this person, yeah. and it might be fake or not. But if it's not, 
Then I'll find out that someone 50 years earlier had said it. Yeah. Someone 50 years earlier had said it. I'm like, what's the actual source of this shit? <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a good website called Fake Quotes or something. And this dude researches where they all come from. So, Oh, really? Okay. Um, so my first quote was going back to, you know, just sitting and observing or being too needy. Uh, if a man knows not which port he sails, no wind is favourable. Right. So that's by Seneca. If a man knows Seneca. not which port he sails, no wind is favourable. So if we, you know, if we just go sailing along and we don't have a direction, don't have a f- anywhere to focus on, we don't have a map going, you are here, you are going to there, then it's going to be really challenging to reach that destination. Yeah, yeah. This this makes me think of, you know, maybe clients that have come in and that will like... They can they can kind of understand where they are. They don't know why they're in the situation they're in, but they understand where they are. Whether it's like I'm a drug addict, I have depression, um, split up with my wife, and my two kids were taken away. Whatever it is, they understand that. But yeah, it's like I. So where do you want to be? Like what's what's ideal? Where do you want to go? Like I don't know. <laughs> it's like like exactly like a, a new age version would I would be. I would say like well, it's like you're getting your Google Maps out and you just don't have a destination. Yeah. <laughs> and you just, you're just like, you're just walking. And so you're not going to get where you need to go if you have no idea where that it's is like, or what it's it looks like. like. Be- I, I want to I wanna live in a house. Great. Okay, I want to build a house. Great. And then having no idea what the house looks like. No no plans, yeah, yeah. no design or anything. It's going to be a pretty shabby looking shack. It's like that one on The Simpsons, they built Ned Flanders. It's like <laughs> some of the rooms are big, some are smaller. Like, this is the only room that has electricity, but it has too much electricity. <laughs> Everything goes static in the room. Um, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's... Um, I like that quote. It's a good one. Because, yeah, the worst one is when people just go, I just want to be happy. Yeah, what's happening? That's that's so that's vague. Beige. Yeah, what, so beige. What's what's happiness for you? It's and then, and then if you delve deep, you'll find out they start describing happiness, but what maybe society or what their family or what other people think is happiness that isn't necessarily their own. So that leads into my second one. I know we're going one for one, but this sort of links into the other one because you're you hogging the quotes, Nick. You said you said quotes are very popular, and yeah, they're all over Instagram and everything, and they are. But as Bruce Lee said, "Knowing is not enough; we must apply." And mm-hmm. um, that that's very stoic as well. And oh, a lot of my quotes are obviously Buddhism and Stoicism. So that's that's sort of where mine mainly come from. But it is that. Uh, my version of that is we need to turn knowledge into wisdom through application. Mm-hmm. So reading all these quotes, just scrolling, flick, 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 oh, yeah, they're great, they're wonderful, blah, blah, blah. But then if so if they resonate at the time, but then you just don't put them into practice, then they're pretty much useless. Yeah, the word I love is embodiment. It's like let's if, if we've found this knowledge... So, and this happens with books, you know, we read a book and we like love the ideas in the book and then finish it and go to the next book. And then we finish that and we go, and we go look, I read 50 books this year. I read one a week. It's, congratulations. How many of those ideas did you embody into your life? Yeah. And oftentimes it's not because we're just jumping to the next chunk of knowledge that's going to um, make us feel a little better. So embodiment is, embodiment is real knowledge at the end of the day yeah. or wisdom as you yeah. call it, you know. Yeah. It's like, it's like the... Um, 
this the, the shaking and dancing meditation I'm doing. It's like you read about it, you read about the theory behind it, the vagal nerve and how it's worked for these different communities. It worked in Haiti after the earthquake and all that kind of jazz. But then it's like you don't do it and just go, okay, that's good and go to the next thing. It's not until you do it that you go, ah, this is what it feels like. Yeah, it's like I can... I, 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 yeah, you need go. to experience it to fully comprehend and understand it. That's why all the studying that I do is for me personally, first and foremost. So that doing a 10-day Vipassana, um, going through CBT, you know, studying Buddhist philosophy, all of this stuff is for me so I can experience it personally. And then once I know it inside and out, I can then pass it on instead of typical psychology where I just know what Freud said or I know what someone else said mm. I'm actually embodied the work that I do and that makes me a much more effective practitioner and the same with you, yep. you know, because it's, we're not just passing intellect on we're actually yes. um, sharing some wisdom yeah, yeah, totally agreed it's like a the avocado and it's like you can study the avocado for years and do your cert for and diploma in avocados and then you can do a uh, advanced diploma get your bachelor and actually do a phd and write a full thesis on avocados but until you've eaten an avocado you won't understand an avocado and all those phds are considered experts but yet they've never tasted an avocado Yes, and they can make centers around the avocado and worship the avocado, but I haven't actually bitten into a fucking avocado. Because <laughs> right, so that I'm, one bite will give you so much more knowledge. Yeah, okay. I've done two, so what are your what are yours? I've got I'm gonna, I've got this long one. I'm going to save it for the oh, end yeah, now. Okay. Oh, sorry, I jumped right. in, didn't I? Mate, we're just going with the flow, mate. I'm yeah. not attached to any yeah. having it at the start or like the end. Bruce Whatever, Lisa, mate. Be, the, be the water. We are water. Be the water. Uh, speaking of water, this I'll start with this one. I know this is one of your favourites as well. We've actually both brought this up on the podcast at different points in time, but I'll kick it off because it is one of my favourites. No man ever steps in the same river twice, for it's not the same river, and he is not the same man. Deep. Or woman. Deep. <laughs> yeah, so this to me is just all about change and how... Uh, letting go of control. This resonated with me really early on in my you know, recovery or getting clean and that because I was someone who always, once I got things slightly how I wanted them in life, I wanted just to hold on and have them be that way forever and not accepting the fact that everything is changing all the time. And you know, every single cell in mine and yours body will be renewed in seven years. Like we'll literally have, we'll be a different human being. <laughs> like there's hundreds of thousands of cells dying on us uh, right now every single day so the world is constantly in change so understanding that uh, when we step into that river it is might be the same point in that river but it's different water and then also we are a different human that's stepping into that river so there's change not only with us but also in the world and it's this which we are part of the world but it's this constant moving on and evolution and and changing which is beautiful so for me it's it, it... I think it resonates for people who run this limiting belief. I don't like change. You know, that's just a belief. That's an illusion that they've created. So for people who are stuck in a, a pattern or a narrative of I don't like change, this is a good one to shift them out of there because we can help them to understand how irrational that belief is. I don't like change. Well, you're experiencing change constantly. And it gets them into a more rational thinking where we can then live within the law of nature. And the law of nature in Buddhism is everything is impermanent. 
So everything is constantly in flux. Everything is constantly in change. And a really great way to start practicing this is to just love the weather however it is. Mm. It's, if it's raining, oh, I love the weather today. If it's sunny, I love the weather today. If it's, it's windy and blowing shit everywhere, I love the weather today. Because it's, it's not having an unreal expectation that the weather should be doing anything based mm. on your own needs. Letting go sense. of preference. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's like we, it's when we have a, because beliefs are subjective, so we have a subjective belief and then there's objective reality. And it's like the subjective belief says, um, I don't want change. <laughs> and then objective reality says everything is changing all the time and it always has and it always will, right? Those, they don't quite match they, up they together. So like whenever, whenever that subjective, objective, uh, are in conflict, we will suffer because we're just we're just bumping up against well, the, su- the suffering. Come once again, Buddhism, the, the source of all pain or suffering is attachment. So we're attached to the belief that the weather should be sunny, and what we're observing is that it's raining. So we're not get essentially we've got an attachment to a desired outcome. We're not getting what we want, and so that's when mm. we go into the suffering, and it's so yeah. completely irrational. Because it's yeah. like, we're the center of the universe. I want it to be sunny. Why isn't it sunny? Why isn't the universe bending and twisting and turning around to meet my needs? That's ego coming out. It is, yeah. Very, very, very ego. All right. Should I do another one or are you going to go? No, go. I'm going to go back to back. Who am I to judge another when I myself walk imperfectly? Oh, I've got a... I've got a different variation on that one um, yeah, thou up. shalt not cast stones because thou hast fucked up too <laughs> is that Confucius? <laughs> that's his brother confusing <laughs> um, yeah so this is just once again it's just a uh, letting go of judgment because we've all got our little uh, idiosyncrasies, our flaws, and often people, we're happy to look at what's wrong with other people and what they're not doing, what we see as right, but um, not looking at ourselves in the mirror and seeing that we've all got fucked up shit going on. That's a, that's a, that's comes back to the people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. It's just another way yeah. of saying that. But it's great in terms of what we're talking about, becoming woke, when you can understand how judgmental you are and where that judgment is coming from and with mindfit we talk about the easy path and the hard path and the easy path is mindless thinking and it's just a usual um, pattern that we've got that goes into destructive thinking and in that destructive thinking we judge and condemn and criticize where if we go into a hard path it takes more effort and energy to do this but if we can go into constructive thinking then we can start uh, empathizing and looking beyond what people are, are projecting and and you know just being kind and considerate so it's if you catch yourself being really judgmental and oh what a dick you know it's uh, in cbt and unhelpful thinking or cognitive distortion is labeling and so that's mm-hmm. essentially judging we label ourselves oh, i'm such an idiot you know well you're not you just you just don't know how to do something or the other person, I'm just going to stand here and cast judgment at them. But as you said, we're all imperfect. Mm. Yeah, and oftentimes we sort of teach the, the mirror concept in that if something is, 
if we're finding ourselves judging another and saying they shouldn't be doing something, it's generally just because they've triggered something unhealed in us. Well, it says more so about you like, than it says about that other person, your judgment. Yeah. And that's 100%. That, that, it always comes back to you. They're, they're just walking along doing their own thing, being their best self at that point in time. And you're the one like, 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 like the rain outside. It just, it is happening. This is what's yeah. happening. Yeah. And if you go, the weather's so fucked. Is it? No, it's not. The weather's just weather. The weather's nature. If you, it's, it's your thing. It says more about you and how rigid or how limited or how unhealthy your mind is. That whole sentence yes. says nothing about the weather. It's speaking wholly about you as a person. That's right, and that's why we, when we see other people and judge them it's like from the energy of they shouldn't be doing that or they shouldn't be that way which is the same as it shouldn't be raining it's like it's just not accepting reality it's like you know the i think michael singer talks about this it's like a, a rattlesnake you know it's like a, a rattlesnake has a nature and so you see if you see a rattlesnake you'd be like wow that's amazing and you kind of just walk around it you don't just start go up and patting the rattlesnake and going he's good little boy come here because you accept the reality that a rattlesnake's a rattlesnake you're not saying this rattlesnake should be like a puppy dog and come and lick my hand and i'll pat it you just say hey this is a rattlesnake i'm just gonna go just around here i don't judge i don't judge the rattlesnake for having a nature but you, but that whole thing is living within the law of nature again it's living in yep. an understanding that this rattlesnake has a nature to strike out and bite you which will fucking hurt Mm. All right, so that's on you, you to understand yeah. that nature. <laughs> so that's why when you go up to give it a cuddle and it bites you, you don't go, that's the rattlesnake's fault. Yeah. <laughs> it's your fault for hugging the rattlesnake. Most people would go, stupid fucking rattlesnake. And then when they go to the pub a couple of days later and show over all their mates their bite wounds, everyone will go, oh, I can't believe that rattlesnake did that. They're what so you evil. You can't believe it. <laughs> how irrational do you have to be I'm using my yeah. high voice I can hear it yeah. that's how excited I am so that's why I think it's important to then so we teach people with this mirror concept okay if this person's caused a disturbance in you and that because of that disturbance you feel like you need to judge them why don't we start to find out what that disturbance is but that, and that oftentimes person hasn't caused a disturbance in the other person person b has not caused the disturbance in person a person b is simply person b they're just a source of stimulus no that's yes. person, yeah 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 person a's reaction based on their expectation or irrational or beliefs, a wound yeah, or, a, or wound a wound that's been brought is, up is to react to that because they're not getting what they want or you know whatever the case may be yeah, and so if we teach them not to react and instead get curious and go, oh, so if I automatically judge, I go, oh, what's going on there in me? Yeah. Because it's not about that person. Something's happening in here. Well, but the reaction, what, what? Is a, the reaction is a symptom or effect, so you have to change the root cause of what's triggering that judgment, which is an irrational thinking style. Exactly, but one, you, yeah. that, and that's why you can use the people that you judge as a teacher yeah. because they'll actually show you where you're stuck. And then if you actually are open to owning that and working on that, then all of a sudden you might, you know, uncover something that you've had in your unconscious, it's these thinking styles, whatever yeah. it is, and then get past that. And then you can look at that person that you were immediately going to judge and go, thank you. Like, I'll bow to you. You showed beauty, me something is, that was stuck. This is the beauty of mental health because 
unlike physical health, you've got to put on your lycra and you know your armbands and drive down to the gym and and you know, strut around and have a look at the mirror for a minute and then lift some weights and jump on the treadmill. I don't know how, how you do it, Hass, but... Um, That's m- minus the lycra, you're about right. <laughs> <laughs> with, with mental health, there's so many opportunities each and every day to practice these mental repetitions, to mm. pull ourselves out of destructive thinking and into constructive thinking. That is a mental rep. And so catching ourselves that, that we're in it. Oh, I'm agitated. I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm anxious. Okay, I'm, I'm disturbed. This is on me. It's not on anything out there. This is purely and, and wholeheartedly me. So thank you for triggering me. Thank you for setting me off. I'm aware that I'm here. Now, oh, yeah, I've got an attachment that you should have said this based on what I think and what I need. Right, that's, that's probably not right. I'm going to change that and... You know, keep moving forward otherwise we just get stuck and go around in circles 100% yeah it's like we're cycling down or we're cycling it's a spiral downwards or upwards yeah. and it's like blame and ownership blame just means we're stuck and we're going to keep going down ownership means we can start to move up yeah. and then yeah it's like the more times we keep owning and owning and owning then all of a sudden our mental health gets healthier and yes. healthier and healthier yes. yeah alright next quote you'll go right. okay uh, oh which one Ryan's got six, I've got 30, so... <laughs> uh, I really like... The only thing to come from arguing with a fool is to prove that there are two. Yeah. <laughs> That's, this is... My dad gave me some advice. He's got, it's always stuck in my head. And he said, it's similar, he goes... Never get in an argument with an idiot because from a distance, people won't be able to tell the difference. <laughs> there's, an, there's another one based around that. It's, um, it's something around don't st- stop going to the, the circus and expecting there to be clowns or something like that. Especially they're not to be clowns. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this is, you know, I think whenever engaging in a discussion with someone you know which this it's great to have discussion and have different points of view and i think you know we should celebrate the people who have the opposite opinion to us as much as the people that that do have the same opinion but it's like when i'm engaging in a discussion with someone there needs to be an understanding that if someone says something to me that's contrary to my beliefs and i and it's it's really good evidence for me then i need to be willing to change my mind And I need to know that the other person has that same mentality. So if I say to someone, okay, you believe very, very strongly that um, addictions are disease or whatever it is, right? This just can be any topic. Is there anything that I could say, like anything, evidence I could give you that would change your mind? And if they say no, there's no point in us even having a discussion. I I always forget (laughs) that. I remember you saying that the first or second time we met. And I keep having to ask you because for some reason it doesn't stick. But yeah, it's it's such a valuable thing because it's knowledge. If if there is no, well, it comes into another one I'm going to talk about in a minute. But it's, um, yeah, if, if there's no outcome as a result of spending that time and energy, then there's no point in doing it. Uh, two people are just talking at each other. Yeah. And so, and so you could imagine like it's, it's, if you can come together two people with differing ideas and both be open and talk about that, forget about the people, but ideas can start to grow 
and new ideas can flourish, some can get stronger and, and it, it's a really beautiful thing. But otherwise, if it's just two people just banging against each other, then nothing grows, there's no evolution. All right, so that's too good a segue for me not to go into my next one. You're the segue king today with oh, your quotes. Stop it, I am. The aim of arguments or discussion should not be victory but progress. Ah, exactly. That's like the perfect lead on. Yeah, the aim of an bing, argument bang. or discussion should not be victory but progress. Yep. Yep. Which is exactly the same. So it's the, these ideas that are that are coming together and maybe conflicting at some point may start to merge and take on a different form and, and evolve and grow. Well, an, um, argu- an argument in its purest form is like a micro war. It's two people at war. Oh, a, an actual war is on a macro level two countries not agreeing. So mm. it's still conflict. On it doesn't matter yep. what level it's on, whether it's international or whether it's interpersonal, it's still conflict. And most people go into that conflict because they want to win. They want to get what they want. I want you to hear me. I want you to change. I want you to understand. Where if both people aren't of the same mindset, then it's it's going to be really difficult. Yeah, it's like I brought up this analogy on the show last week with Shane. Um, we're talking about just beliefs around cultures. And I spoke about if I'm walking down the slums of India, I'll see them cooking and eating dog flesh and I'll be disgusted. <laughs> I'll be like, you guys should not be doing that. If they came over and saw me eating beef in Australia, they would think the exact same thing. You are disgusting, stop doing that because one has decided that cows are sacred, one has decided that dogs are sacred. And we can sit there all day and argue that the dog should be sacred or the cow should be sacred. Right, and we're not going to fucking get anywhere, right? But if we both come with an open mind and then start to go, okay, so our cultures have brought us up that way, and we have different beliefs around this stuff, what actually generates and causes cultural or group beliefs, and start to talk about that? All of a sudden, that the level of discussion has gone from down here to up here, right? And now we're talking about different ideas because we've met on a level where we've we can agree that cultures programmed us, and we both believe each one is right. But now let's go a level deeper. You've got the egos out of the way and you're coming mm. at it from more the heart and you're coming at it from compassion. You're coming at it with acceptance. With, I am open instead of I am closed. I am open yeah. just to listening and learning about you. Okay, I, I genuinely want to hear. And this this comes back to you know, communication is not taught and, and it is, it is the, such a root cause of why so many people are in suffering. But there's this concept of, and you know, to listen with the intent to understand rather than respond. Uh, if you're needy, if you need to be heard or listened to or understood or whatever, you're just going to keep jumping on the other person. But mm. if you can actually sit there and go, I'm genuinely interested in learning more about you. I want to learn about your beliefs and your culture and your philosophies and your mindset. I'm, I'm opening my mind up to expose myself to and to experience what it is that you have to say because it's not about me it's about you so my ego is not part of this conversation my my heart yep. is here listening and if two people can sit there and do that oh, Jesus imagine imagine it's what beautiful it is yeah and you'll know when you're in those conversations I know this for myself you notice there's so much pausing and silence in the discussion like yes. someone will talk and instead of being but no 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 it's just someone will speak and then you'll both be like 
Because you're pondering, you're processing. You're, you're actually, yeah, you're actually processing it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. That was a really beautiful couple of quotes and couple of points there. We're going back to me? Yeah, man. Which one? Which one do I go for here? This one, can't remember where this is from. I think it's from a book, possibly uh, The Way of the Superior Man by David Data. Very short one. Live with an open heart, even if it hurts. Uh, I've come across that one before. And that sort of links into our last conversation, living with that open heart, listening with that open heart, even if it hurts, even if someone's saying reflecting to you some things that you may not be aware of you know if you can listen to it without taking it personally and and just sitting there and being open to it it's a, it comes back to a growth mindset um it's okay this could sting this could smart this is gonna this is gonna you know scrape against my ego a bit but i'm gonna listen to it with an open heart and mm. see what happens or I'm going to listen yeah. to you about your suffering and I'm going to park my stuff over there for a while and just make this all about you. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I love this because I think it's it seems to be our natural inclination as humans with this, when we're stuck in survival emotions to close a lot more than we open. It's yeah. like things happen in life that open our heart and things happen that close it. And it seems that over time, like watch kids, like kids, they might cry for a bit because something happened, but immediately bang they open it again and they're normally open and and that's i think that's why we love and dogs like we've talked about dogs before but d- dogs seem to just have this open heart all the time and i think that's what kids and dogs like they resonate with us so much because they remind us what it's like to have this just completely open heart um independent of what happens to us but then us humans we go into this you go well were we talking about the reset resetting to zero no it was me and my friend deb um she I told her I was, I've been balls deep in rammed ass lately and she um, what was her reaction to that <laughs> she was like good on you congratulations as long as you've been careful and using protection taking um, proper precautions <laughs> you have condoms over your head over your headphones <laughs> while you're listening to it <laughs> Uh, big shout out to my friend Deb from Soul Evolution. She's amazing, does Reiki and tarot and numerology. Um, very On dear you, friend of mine, very wise old soul. Um, and I was just talking about Ram Das, and she suggested I listen to who's the dog whisperer? Uh, Cesar. Cesar Milan. Cesar Milan, and his uh, him being interviewed by Eckhart Tolle. Right. And really really interesting to listen to but Caesar talks about how dogs reset to zero and humans don't so what that means an example of that is you know you go away for five days the dog's like oh where's my human where's my human as soon as you come home it's like oh where have you been where have you been and they can get a bit grumpy as soon as you pull the lead out and say do you want to go walkies bang they're back to zero Mm. all is forgiven they've left it behind they've completely detached from it it's like in the moment walkies great we're going for a walkies so they're not carrying any baggage whatsoever they don't have that capacity but as humans even if we say I forgive you 
Yeah, it's still parked in the back of the mind somewhere. So it's still, with with gritted teeth, I forgive you. Yeah, well, it's it's still you know etched into your heart or your soul somewhere. So we can pretend yep. that we get back to zero, but really we probably just get back to three. Yeah, it's this it's this mechanism in us that as this critical thinking, this holding on to memory, this preparing for the future, has like you know led us to be not the most dominant, the most what's the word the most vast in population i suppose species and all this stuff but it does cause us all these issues like this reminds me of the i speak a lot about the rat park experiment with drugs because it's a very very important study to show that drugs addiction isn't just about the drugs was that the one you then even, Harry spoke about in yeah yeah in uh chasing the scream he's done a ted talk so it's yep. yeah basically bruce alexander in the 70s saw the original studies in the 50s around rats in a cage that would either have water or drugged water and they would choose the drugged water until they overdosed and eventually killed themselves so based on that drugs are bad drugs drugs are addictive um that's why the rehab industry was created to just take people away from the drug and put them in a cage without drugs Mm. and um anyway bruce alexander saw this study and went this is weird like these rats are literally just in a cage by themselves with a choice of water or drugs. He's like, I would choose drugs as well. That sounds bloody horrible. So he set up Rat Park, which is a different environment for the rats, which is... It's like um, Disneyland for rats. Yeah, it's like other rats. There's tunnels, there's wheels, there's, you know, they can mate, they can play. It's just all fantastic. And the water and the drugged water. And some would try the drugged water, not all. None of them would get addicted. None of them would overdose or die. So very, very important study to show that... uh, our environment plays a big role in that. Now, the the next evolution of that is, you know, as human beings, yes, changing an environment can help a little bit, but the issue is when a rat leaves a cage and goes to Rat Park, like with the dog, the rat's just like, I'm in Rat Park. This is awesome. Hey, there's other rats. <laughs> right? Whereas humans may be physically out of the cage, but psychologically, they're still back there. So yeah, I, call this, I call this matching your mindset to your environment. And because rats... And dogs and animals are very present. You know, a bird a bird isn't flying along going, oh, I was this close to catching that bloody mouse in that field last Thursday at 2pm. It's just not doing that. So we, as humans, need to train and condition our minds through meditative practice um, uh, to be more present by understanding that How do I put it? Um, okay, so you're at work for eight hours and you're in your um, sympathetic nervous system most of the day. You're in fight, flight. You're getting smashed with all this information. I want this report. You have to do this. Go there, do this. That didn't happen. That's broken. Fix this. Uh, and then and then you drive 20 minutes home. By the time you walk in the door at home to... you know your missus and a couple of kids and the dog, you're still going to be at work. Your mm. your mind is not going to be walking through the door as a father, as a husband, as a self, really, because you haven't unwound, you haven't let go, you haven't come down from that heightened work state. So we really need to take more time. And this is why people working at home are a very dangerous position because there's no separation from the two we need to get better at wearing our whatever hat where we're wearing needs to match the environment that we're in does that make sense what if you got different hats well it's, it's about wearing being mindful 
of having all these hats but okay what I, I'm in my house I've got my wife here I've got my kids here and I'm here uh, what hats do I have on I have my husband hat on I have my father hat on oh but I've still got my work hat on well, I don't need mm. this work hat on why is this work hat here because this work hat is making me check my phone it's making me check my laptop yeah. it's taking me away from these other hats that, that I yeah. need here so and also maybe the work hat, like that day I had to wear it and I had to be, go pretty hard in these meetings and get people fired up and tell them what to do. Then I come home and I'm like yelling at my kids, telling them what to do because I've still got my... Because what served me at work, I'm doing at home, but is destructive at home. Exactly. I need, I need to be dad, but I'm still senior management at work or whatever it is. Yeah, so I'm bringing that yeah. home with me. So I was like, yeah, you should get different hats. Like I got my green hat on, then on the way home, I changed to my red hat and yep. oh, well, <laughs> use some sort some... of symbology. I, I, said to, uh, I said to a lot of my clients, just to stop at a footy oval on the way home from work and yep. just jump out and run a lap or two. Because yeah, mm-hmm. just get it, get back into your body, get back into being grounded, just do like something. like a circuit physical. breaker. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, even a song. If you had some song, because I've, I've recommended this to people, it's a certain song on the way home, and that song signifies, I'm out of work. That's, uh, that's, I'm leaving that behind, and this is what I go to. And if they find a song yeah. that works, then you keep doing it, because now you've got a positive association with that song, and it'll keep working. But if you've still got your work hat on and you're at home, it'll create a narrative in your head that I have to check my phone. I have to check my mm. laptop. I have to do this report. I have to. So you'll work under that um, sense of duty and obligation in completely the wrong environment. You'll, you'll be justifying why you have to spend this time and energy still doing work when, in fact, your obligations are to your family. Yes, yeah. And once again, like with most of the stuff we talk about, you have to become aware of it for you to change it. And hopefully someone's listening to this that becomes aware of it because we're very unconscious and we're just at home and we're like, I've got my phone and that and we're just doing it. And then, you know, maybe our, our partner or something will say, Oi, can you get off your phone? Like the kids want to play. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, all right, all right. And it's like, it's like this wind-up doll just on autopilot just walking around. But then <laughs> if someone reflects it to us, will get angry or agitated or disturbed. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just, just, I have to do this. You don't understand. I'm doing, I'm doing this for us. I'm, I, I need to finish this report for us because it's a, there's a lot of money on the line. Well, yeah. it's, it's a wrong justification. No, it is, it is. It's like you've got to remember why you're working so hard in the first place. I'm doing it for my family. All right, but your family don't want you to stay back for an extra two hours tonight. No, but I've got to. I'm doing it for my family. It's like, no, you've, you've, you're really off the tracks here because you've <laughs> I, forgotten I, why I, you're I, working. I see where you're coming from, but it is, it is not quite... The math's not adding up. And I had, yeah. I had this with a client once. He was very successful in business. And he came to me for something else. He's just like, oh, blah, blah. And I got down to it. I'm like, he said, I can give my kids anything they want. And I'm like, oh, and my first question, I don't know where this came from, was, oh, can you give them a hug when you drop them off to school? And that he exploded. The tears yeah. that came out of this man, it just, it was like a javelin that pierced his heart. Yeah, and we call it we call it a stab. That was a very stab in a good way, best yeah. way possible, which yeah. means it stabbed straight into that ego that said, yeah. I can give them anything they want. Right, and then just went straight through that to his soul, and then that deep truth then poured out. Yeah, of him. It just it just cut through all the bullshit, all his bullshit, and yeah. hit home. And 
from that moment, he could then start to make some changes. But, you know, when we keep talking about awareness is the first step to change, but then acceptance is the second one. So you can be aware that, oh, I'm always doing work at home, but if you can't be stabbed and, and get out of your bullshit and, and accept that it's an issue and that it has to change, then you still won't change. So awareness mm. is great, but then you need the acceptance. You've got to keep going. Really keep yeah, and going. that's what stops people right. from going and getting help, you know, reaching out to get counselling. I'm aware mm-hmm. that I'm moody or I'm agitated or I'm stuck or I'm depressed or I'm anxious, uh, but I'm not accepting that I need to go and get help because, you know, it'll make me weak or something or my mates will laugh at me. So mm-hmm. shift into that acceptance. We won't laugh at you. We'll celebrate you. Yay. And hug you. Yay. And hug you. Uh, all right, you want to go for one? We're gonna, let's, let's start whipping through them. All right, cool. Um, Uh, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Mm. By the great right, Dr. Okay. Viktor Frankl. So basically that says... Control the controllables. You cannot do shit about anything that's happening out there. All you can choose is how you feel. So Viktor Frankl, for those that don't know, is a, a Jewish psychiatrist that... that was in four different concentration concentration camps and comes out of Auschwitz and and have a think about the the mental aptitude of this man the emotional intelligence he's lost his family he's been through absolute hell on earth and he comes out with this everything can be taken from a man but the last of his personal rights to choose how he feels in any given situation mm-hmm. so we can always choose how we feel in any given situation. It's hard, it's difficult, it's, it's, it's the opposite to what most of us do, but it is possible, um, or more possible than we think. So yeah. he said, and that's in, why it, he broke it down into in between stimulus and response is a space, and in that space lies our power to choose, and in that choice lies our freedom. Yeah, and like you said, that can't be taken away. And for him, he found meaning in one of the worst situations you could be as a human in those concentration camps. And he found meaning that he was going to get through it and be able to help the people in the camp and then help people after if he got out. Because of that meaning, he saw the people without meaning falling away, dying, withering away very, very fast. But the ones that had that meaning seemed to have that inner strength to keep going. Those and you see that with um, you see that with uh, you know cancer patients and that kind of thing. And they say mindset is just such a massive role because the people who give up and just say, "I oh, got cancer, I'm going to die," they, their um, 12 month to live yeah. diagnosis might last for three months, whereas some people who are given 12 months to live, 25 years later, they're still going. Yeah, that's that's incredible. But it's, I always tell clients like, if you've been fired, or you know, you have to take your car in for a service and it's going to cost a lot of money if you're reacting to that hold that experience up to Viktor Frankl going through our switch and if he can come out with this we get to choose how we feel in any given situation it sort of puts all of our shit back into perspective yeah. a bit and yeah. and we we can start laughing at ourselves a bit more and going oh yeah I might have uh, might have had a little bit of a pity party with that one there <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's a similar to another quote i've heard which is uh 
when we change the way we look at a situation, the situation changes. Yeah. So it's well, not well, sp- like the situation about, isn't the problem. We spoke. I think we spoke about it with Shane last week where, you know, the, the metanoia process, when you break down and rebuild, nothing out there changes. Mm. Uh, you know, the army experience still happens and, and I'm still living in the same house with the same letterbox. I'm still in the same DVA system. None of that changed, but I changed. And yes. then everything changed. Everything changed. We are 100%. the ultimate creators. So, so for we those are. listening at home, if you get fired, or if someone breaks up with you, or if if you lose something, or if someone crashes into your car, or something happens, if life happens, it's not positive or negative until you decide it's so. So, in those moments, just remember, you get to choose how you feel. So, if you're fired, you don't have to take it personally. It's it's. It doesn't have to be the worst. It can actually be an opportunity. It's the universe saying to you, you don't belong here anymore. You've spent enough time here. Now I've got to shift you into the next chapter. So that's all yeah. it needs to be. You don't need to over-dramatise it. Oh, God, how am I going to pay my mortgage and go deep into that fear and that anxiety and that stress? You can just acknowledge it. Right, all right, this is the end of the chapter. Keep moving. 100%. That's how, how, how we perceive in our relationship that's, to that, that situation. That takes, the, the ability and the capacity to do that takes a lot of training and it takes a conscious concerted effort to condition your mind to operate in that way because it's not human nature, it's not normal to do that. So it really... No, yeah. no, it's not. But what you said is perfect. It's every event is neutral. So if we if we have that basic understanding that everything's neutral, then we know when we go into, I got fired from work. This is bad, 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 and start going down there. It's like there, this is neutral. So there's art. There's positive and negative to an equal degree. That's what neutral is. And so if I'm looking at all these negatives, there must be positives on the other side. And we'll know like we look back on stuff in our life and we're like, thank fuck I got fired from that job because they're just around the corner. I got this yeah. opportunity and I would never have got if I didn't get fired. But at the time, getting fired was the worst thing in the world because I just didn't see any of the positives that were to come. But it's only they can't see any positives because they can't see straight or think clearly because their mind becomes so distorted. And you can hear the moment they tighten up, you're fired. <gasps> and, and it's 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 instead of beer goggles, it's the fear goggles. They wear the fear goggles, so everything everything is bad and fearful. It is, but you can you can hear and see the moment someone will tighten up, because all of a sudden they're living in deep deep fear that mm. it's a, their sense of survival has been compromised. You know, so how am I going to put food on the table? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to you know, get my kids to school? Blah blah blah. So it's all understandable. We're not saying be a robot. But we can contain it and look at it differently and lean more into trust instead of fear. Go into that constructive thinking instead of that destructive thinking. Yeah, which like you said, we get, it's not like we'll just stop the destructive thinking forever. It's just, just gently notice when you're going down that rabbit hole. Oh, I'm doing yep. it again. Do <laughs> Here I go. Right I'm, off, okay. I'm, I'm off to the races. Yeah, got to, got to do a bicep curl for the brain and pull myself out of that destructive thinking and shift myself into that constructive thinking, which does take a lot of effort and awareness and, and being present and observing. But different sources of stimulus are different kilograms. So, yeah. um, you know, uh, uh, you'll thinking a birthday letter with 50 bucks is going to turn up today and it doesn't turn up today you think ah 
oh, it's not ideal, but that, it is what it is, no problems. And then if you go to work and get fired, that's that's got a different weight to it. So in, in those times, we have to dig a lot deeper and it's going to take a lot more energy and strength um, and mm. resilience than you know, going to the letterbox in the morning. Yeah, and then but and sometimes early on in that process, when people are changing their thinking styles, that reps too much. It's like it's that that fire from the boss was a two hundred and fifty kilo deadlift, and they couldn't lift it, and they went down that rabbit hole. And it's like that's okay. It's just we just need to have done enough reps for enough amount of time that next time something comes, we can handle, we yeah, can it, lift it. it. Just your, your mind wasn't strong enough at that point in time. So wasn't okay. fit enough. Yeah, that's mind a good fit. Name for business. <laughs> I'm going to spell it with a Y though because I'm edgy and cool. No, because it's my mind and <laughs> I we need know. to take responsibility. I knew, I knew that would get you. No, it didn't I get me. I just, I just saw it as an opportunity to educate the listeners. To educate? I feel educated. No, you got you. Uh, the listeners. The listeners. All right. Um, it's not all about you. Another right? one? Yep. I'm, going to, I'm going to reel off my last two because we're running out of time. Okay. This is from one of one of my heroes, my heroes of all time, especially when I was younger, Muhammad Ali. Uh, the man who has no imagination has no wings. Mm, or Red Bull. Or <laughs> the man with no Red Bull has no wings. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I just I loved Muhammad Ali. I I started to get into boxing a little bit when I was a teenager, and then uh, my dad mentioned Muhammad Ali, and so I went and got this six six video I don't know if, I don't know I don't think they were DVDs yet I think they were still videos so there was six video set of his whole life documentary and wow. then I just got obsessed with him and um, yeah so a couple of the things that stood out for me was just the way he lived his life he was always having fun he always had a smile on his but face why, why that quote and, he's got he's got lots of quotes why that one specifically yeah how he's got the, lots how can the listeners apply that he so the in, in my mind, his imagination meant that he was willing to do things differently, very, very differently. So thinking and outside he was the square? Thinking just massively outside the square and just being completely himself in whatever form that took. And so I, to me, it seems people who conform to uh, doing everything the right way or the way they're told, they don't have wings. They're stuck on the ground. Yep. But the ones who are willing to do things differently and listen to their heart, those are the ones who get to saw very very high and he certainly did that with his life I, I, I sort of call that turning left instead of right the mass the crowd the norm is to go right and I, I, I stick to my path which is to go left go left yeah go left Beautiful. life is beautiful. I, thought, I, thought I was about to start singing that <laughs> <laughs> alright um, um, you're doing your second well, I, got, I, got, I got my last one yes this was uh, Desmond Tutu and this is a beautiful one we need to stop just pulling people out of the river we need to go upstream and find out why they're falling in hail hail Desmond Tutu oh. I'm conflicted with this one as well because I think we spoke about it uh, I spoke about it on the podcast interview the other day with Tom O'Hearn. He interviewed me on his mm. podcast. And he was talking about where do you let people fall into the river because that's where we learn to drown, learn to swim and st- preventing people from falling in. So with mental health, where do we... You know, if I didn't have my breakdown and rebuild, I wouldn't be sitting here doing what I'm doing. 
So it's a really interesting one. And I said to him, all I'm basically trying to do is to reduce unnecessary suffering. We're still mm. going to experience suffering. We're still going to hit rock bottoms and everything. People are still going to fall into the river Desmond. Um, if we prevent them, then we're going to stop a lot of people from realizing they can swim. So, but, but yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fair enough. So you're talking about some resilience, I suppose. But I know that both you and I have spoken before. We're very into a lot more emotional intelligence, mental health, uh, vulnerability, being yeah. being taught to young kids. Yeah. So I know with, with that analogy you're putting, it's saying to me, we just don't start to teach these kids emotional resilience because let them, let them fall in the river. I'm just mindful of creating too much of a utopian belief. And I think mm. that's what a quote like that could potentially do is create this utopian idea that none of us are ever going to fall in the river. And That's the true. That's is- true. But... He's, he's not saying to stop them falling in the river. He just says we need to find out why they're falling in. Which would then prevent them from falling in. Maybe. They're falling in because there's no fence. Let's build a fence <laughs> and protect them. Uh, do we need protection? Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know, yeah. So but I think, I think, I think, uh, hang on, that's, that's an important point that you just brought up. That's making me think. Because like if we erect the fence that takes it out of their hands it's just saying well, this fence is up so you're not going to fall we're interfering in. with their life path mm. maybe they're meant to fall in maybe it's karmic maybe this incarnation is meant to fall and experience what it's like to drown but if we start on a macro scale teaching these you know tools and techniques and everything for kids and how to be with themselves emotionally maybe it just it improves their ability to swim out of the river when they fall in exactly so they don't have to be in the river for as long or to the depth yes. that they go to yes yeah yeah i like that better yeah let's let's do our own version of that sorry quote. desmond you're wrong <laughs> Miss we need to go upstream and find out why they're falling in. But then instead of building a fence, we need to teach them how to swim to an extent so when they do fall in, <laughs> and if it is their karma and dharma for this lifetime, they can swim out soon time possible. It doesn't quite there have the go. same ring to it, but we can work it. We'll work it. We, we'll tweak it. We'll, we'll, we'll tweak, workshop we'll tweak it. it. All right. All right. Hit me, hit, hit me with some more of yours. You're a ghost driving a meat-coated skeleton made from stardust riding a rock hurtling through space. <laughs> you posted that this morning. Nothing. Fear, Fear nothing. nothing. Fear is an illusion. Yeah, you posted it that is. this morning, didn't you? I did. I did. Yeah, it's, um, I, li- I liked it. Well, I love it because, once again, it's, I love anything that puts things into perspective. And our minds are so good at blowing things out of proportion. Worst case scenario, doom, gloom, blah, blah, blah. And the reality is that you, know, you are a ghost driving a meat-coated skeleton made from stardust riding this rock hurtling through space. Like, if you're afraid of a spider, it doesn't make sense. Hey, 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 we're not going to go there. I'm actually, I've actually been very good, Nick. Like, I don't know, I don't know what's happened with me, but uh, things seem to be very much improved on that front. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay. Um, I love this one. If I'm wrong, educate me, don't belittle me. Yes. I think that yep. just speaks for itself. It's perfect if I'm wrong. Instead of judging and condemning, saying, geez, you're an idiot, going into destructive thinking, you know, going to constructive thinking, say there's an opportunity to share some of your wisdom with someone. Um, mm. Compassion begins where understanding ends. Explain that one to me. 
Compassion begins where understanding where, ends. So, okay, so once you've fully understood, you can then go into compassion. Once you stop understanding, that's where you can just be compassionate, where it doesn't make it about you and what you think, because that's what a lot of understanding is. I think this, I can, I can interpret uh, that, where we don't need to step into what we think or into our knowledge database. It's not about us, it's about you, so I'm just going to be compassionate. I don't need to yeah, understand okay. what you're going through. I can just be there for you. Right, okay. I see that a little bit different, that one. I see, like, I think we need to understand to be compassionate. Well, I, I see it that way too, so that's why it's a good one to discuss. So, we'll get back to that one. Uh, what's the quickly... Everything you want is on the other side of fear, so that basically means discomfort precedes success, and that links back to mm-hmm. a ship is safe in harbour, but that's not what ships are built for. So it's, it's basically we all have a, a comfort zone, and when we meet the edge of our comfort zone, that's where the opportunity for growth lies outside of that. So yeah, we have to so it's like we, we bump up through. against that boundary, yeah, and a lot of us run back, but we've yep. got to really lean into that. Yeah, because we're afraid of the waves that are outside of the harbour. But that's that's where life happens. That's where we experience things. That's where we, you know, we're challenged and we're we're, we're forced to to figure things out to dig deep within ourselves. So and that's what got me into my shitty headspace. Was I was a comfort slob. I was I was just so content in my comfort zone, and it was the worst thing possible for my mental health. Hmm. Um. I, I talk to clients about this one a lot. It takes more strength to let go than it takes to hold on. Yep. So that means it's fear makes us grip things. It takes a lot of strength to release that grip and overcome that fear, as you've done with spiders. Yep. So well done. Uh, I love them now. <laughs> I would. I'm, I don't love them yet, but um, I accept them. Okay, I've got two. I've got two more. We have two lives. The second one begins when we realise we only have one. Ooh. Let that one sit with you for a bit. I'm sitting I'm sitting with it. It's marinating. We it's have marinating two lives. Being. The second one begins when we realise we only have one. Hmm. When do we realise that? When we become woke. What if I believe in reincarnation? It doesn't matter because reincarnation is all about our soul or spirit becoming enlightened. There's, o- there's only person. one of this bloke. Yeah, it's not this in- this incarnation of me. My purpose is not to become enlightened. It's it's I'm just a meat covered skeleton. It's my soul that is is in each incarnation looking for enlightenment, looking for ways to grow and develop. So Life, evolution. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the second Love one, it. I think it's important in the work that we do. We need to teach in a way that people learn, not in a way that people uh, not in a way that we teach. Yeah. So we need to teach yeah. in a way that people learn, not in a way that we teach. Yeah. Yeah, I had this, um, I, I got into tennis as a teenager, like I might have been like 14 or 15 or something, and um, where my mum worked, they had a tennis coach there, and he was a fantastic coach. He had his, 
he had his flaws in his personal life that I found out, but he was a brilliant coach. You know, he um, was coaching at the VIS at the time and all that. Anyway, um, got a few lessons from him and I had been right into golf before that. So I was sort of brilliant to golf and now getting into tennis as well. And once he realized that I was into golf, everything that he was trying to teach me, he related back to a golf analogy yeah. and I got it straight away. Yeah. Like I'd, he'd explain anything and I'd have a look and he'd well, in golf and I'm like, oh, and straight away get it. So it's just, that's probably what makes a great coach, great teacher, great therapist, exactly. whatever it is, is being, it's like that bamboo. It's like, hey, this is where the person is at. And I'm going to be flexible enough to get my message across in the way that they're going to hear. Well, there's one that follows up from that by Socrates. It says, I cannot teach anybody anything. I can only make them think. Mm. So I can't teach my clients how to not be so reactive to when they get fired I can only make them think about what their choices are and then they have to come into that decision because we all have free will essentially and like we'll we'll only (laughs) we'll only listen to something if we think we've made the decision as well (laughs) so it's like yeah, you can hear something from someone but it's only that moment that you go oh I'm going to do this that you'll start to actually do it yeah yeah, we're funny that way that's why I think it's so important to get clients to just have come to these realizations where they're giving their self their own advice, so to speak, yeah, which is, which is sort of, I, I had this quote that has just come to me now. I wrote it down ages ago because it happened before I even, it's when I only not long after I became a drug addict and I did a session with Mel and like, cause a lot of the work we do is pulling back these layers. So you're kind of communicating with a very higher part of you, a part of you that actually has all the answers <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. And, um, I remember I'm like, Oh, like your job as a therapist isn't really to tell me what to do. It's just, it's to be the bridge between me and that higher part of me. And then I give myself my own advice, which is which is the best advice. Do you know, do you know what I'm always looking for is these aha moments. These when the when the penny drops in a client's head, that's when I know we're making progress. An epiphany. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, that's possible. Oh, I can do that. Oh, there's that option. You can almost see the neurological pathways go ping, ping, ping. You can, you can, but then they need to reinforce them. All right, the last one for people who are, you know, especially in COVID that are feeling um, everything's changing, they may be a bit anxious or low low self-esteem or whatever. He who is properly grounded within himself does not need to look outside for approval. Hmm. So he who is properly grounded within himself does not need to look outside peripheral. That one I think needs to be tempered. That was from Epictetus. But I think that one needs to be tempered because you can, if you get too locked into it, you go into arrogance and, and ego. So once again, it needs to be tempered. We still need yeah, to have yeah, an yeah. open mind. We still need to be open to, to reflections. But, but we don't... It's a fine line between questioning yourself constantly and being too deep in self-analysis and then being completely ignorant of what you're doing as well yeah yeah i think that probably the key indicator would be just being grounded but also grounded in humility i think uh, having that humility would really prevent you from going too far that way and getting stuck in ego and arrogance true that true that's love it I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna read my long one to finish Okay, yeah, good. It's not that speaking about ego, my long one. It's not first of all, it's not my quote and I someone sent it to me yesterday. So it has nothing to fucking do with me, all right? It's just a quote. Hang on, hang on. Right? It's a long to, one. I'm gonna mindfully choose to listen to this with the intent to understand it. Okay, my mind is open. 
One of the strongest addictions is wanting the moment to be other than what it is. Since this is impossible, it tends to create a lot of stress and anxiety in life. The reason we do this is simple. We want to be happy and it appears to be missing. We have come to believe by getting some person, place or thing that we desire that happiness will ensue. It is easy to see why we think that way. Let's say we want a new home. When we get it, there is the feeling of immense happiness, so we associate the home with making us happy. What really happened is that our desire ended and desirelessness let our true self and our inherent happiness shine forth. It is in the total acceptance of the moment that true happiness arises. Lon Chempa states in Natural Perfection, We cannot escape the natural perfection of the moment. There is nothing we can do to make it better. In the openness, guiding, changing, cultivating or rejecting has no goal. It is the expression of the totality. This is the meaning of non-action. I am this open awareness. I am not an observer, but the activity of the moment. It is what we are. This takes a degree of fearlessness to let go of all the clinging to outcome. We start to release our words like we do our thoughts with non-attachment to how they are perceived. It is here we notice the gentle happiness that is always there. Oh, that sounds nice. Gentle happiness. Just gentle happiness that's always there. Can we discuss that in next episode? Can we use that as a segue because it's all about segues today? You're all about segues today. Nick Segway Sutherland. <laughs> you're just, I, 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 mate, that, says, that says more about you than it does about me because you're judging me on that. You're usually I'm, 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 issue with it. I'm, I'm, no, no, I'm impressed. I'm mate. like celebrating you. I'm in awe of you. I don't hear the celebration. I, I, I'm not hearing that. I've got an erection. You just can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on that note, listeners. <laughs> On, on that note, we'll wrap up. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We hope you got some uh, some of those quotes resonated. Send us yours. Send us your favourites. Yeah, yeah. Send us some quotes. We'd, we'd love to hear them and, um, and talk about them on and the next episode. how you apply them, so, how you use them in your life. Because I think the big thing for me with my metanoia was to get away from that rigid thinking and belief system and into a more philosophical belief system. So it was just more, I created the bamboo instead of the oak tree. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I guess I love philosophy because it creates that capacity for us to keep growing and evolve. It creates that growth mindset. 100%. So if there's like, like a real applicable thing, it's like pick two quotes out of the ones that we've said today, pick two that resonate the most, write them down on a bit of paper and then just put what action am I going to take to embody these quotes? But two then things. check back in with it three times a day. Three times a day. All right, yep. done. Breakfast, lunch and dinner. Yep. All right, we'll see you all next week. Peace. Peace. Thank you for tuning into the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also leave us a five-star rating. We thank you so much and we'll see you all next time.